So I want you to imagine for a moment, if you would, that you're a, you're a new CPA, a new CA, CPA, you're flying into Grand Cayman, and on your way, you're thinking about being there, and, and you're recognizing all the hard work that's going to have to go into it, you're ready to learn, but you're hoping to have a long and flourishing career as an accountant, right? Or at least as long as you can bear it, right? Uh, that, that's what you're hoping for. You step off the plane, you're ready to go, only to find that there's no one there to actually meet you. There's no one there to pick you up with a vehicle. And you're a little disheveled. Yeah, you have some stressful moments, but eventually you find a taxi stand, you get a taxi, and with that taxi, you ask him, hey, where's a good place I can stay? And he directs you to the comfort suites, and so you head on over because no one has arranged a place of lodging for you. At this point, you're flustered, you're agitated, but you manage to make your way into the office the next morning. You find your, your desk, your cubicle, with one, one item there other than a laptop, and that is your manual. No one's there. No one's available to, to give you a tour. No one's there to, to mentor you through this. Sure, there's an orientation every morning, but it's with this disinterested associate who coldly reads through the manual with you. You finally manage to start working, but no one is watching over you to warn you of some of the, the dangers involved. There's no mentor or buddy system to help you navigate through the waters of, of the, the Cayman-specific industry in which you find yourself. So you work, but you make mistakes. And at first, your mistakes, they're born out of ignorance, and they're, they're small, but over time, they grow larger and larger, and all of a sudden, you're, you're ruining not only the company you hope to serve, but you're ruining your career as well. Now, there's no way any of, the, any of you guys who are in this industry could imagine this kind of scenario where, you, where you're expected to know all the particular essentials of accounting in Cayman with no one to oversee you, no one to guide you, no one to care for you or walk with you along the way. It's, it's insane to think about that. And yet, such a scenario often happens in the church of Jesus Christ. In some churches, you, you can arrive with hope, but there's no one there to greet you. After a few weeks, no one has arranged to share with you how to, how to get plugged in and find a home for yourself in the church. Sure, you have the manual with you. Everyone does. They're on these, uh, these rows, seat back pockets. <laughs> we got them for you. But your guide, he reads from the manual coldly. It's technical. He seems disinterested even as he shares it with you. No one ever checks in with you or asks how they can help you navigate the dangerous road and the obstacles that might face you in being a follower of Jesus Christ. So you're left to yourself. The church leaves you to the back row and expects that you know what I'm talking about and you know about this thing following Jesus. And I'm going to leave you guys to yourself. You're going to leave me to myself. I'm going to assume you know everything and then you're going to go your way, leave, come back to the back row again next week. Love you guys in the back row. I really do. And, and, and some of us like that, right? Some of us like that kind of church experience. But most of us experience then being, being lost, anxious, agitated, unsettled. And worst of all, we feel alone. We would never expect this in other industries, arenas of life to be able to navigate through without any help or assistance. 
Neither should we in the church of Jesus Christ. And that's why God gives to us elders to care for his church. Elders, even at this one, Sunrise Community Church. One of Jesus' most important early followers was Paul. Paul of Tarsus. And and the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of Paul and he sets him apart to be an apostle, to be a sent one. That literally means that means he's he's sent to share the good news about Jesus. He's sent to, to write down the good news about Jesus. And then he's sent to gather others formally around the good news about Jesus. And that's called the church. And every time Paul sets up one of these churches, he trains men called elders. He trains them to become elders so that when he leaves that church and goes on to share the good news elsewhere, there are people there ready to care for those people in that place and at that time. They're not the only ones called to care. Don't get me wrong. Elders aren't by themselves caring for the church. They're not the only ones called to do that. But they are ultimately in charge of making sure God's people are cared for. The buck stops with them. Ultimately, it's, it's an elder's responsibility to make sure people are being cared for in some way, shape, or form. One such church is in a city called Ephesus. Since September, we've been reading Paul's letter addressed to this church in Ephesus, if you've been with us. But there's another account of this church in the New Testament. It's a New Testament book called Acts. And and in that book, we hear a bit of the, the origin story to this church. And then the last time we hear about it in the book of Acts, this church, is when Paul calls them together. Paul calls the elders of this church together because he knows it's probably going to be the last time he sees them. These men who he's trained and set apart, he calls them back together for one last time because he wants to address them for one last time. So I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 20. That's going to be on page 796, 796. If you're using one of the Bibles we've provided, chair back pockets, middle end of these aisles, please do grab a Bible. You'll need one this morning. Acts chapter 20. We're going to read Paul's entire address, all right, for context, but we're only going to focus on five verses in particular this morning, okay? So read with me. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 17. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus, and he called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, and what trials had happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom of God will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care 
for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you, elders, to to, to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to, to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You know these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. And all these things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said all of these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful most of all of the word he had spoken. They would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. This is God's word. So, one day, I hope to drop off our oldest son, Mason, and, and our other son, too, I should say this. But uh, I'm thinking of him first. I hope to, hope to drop him off at a university somewhere, somehow. He's doing well. We're, we're, not, we're not too worried. But as we drive there, as we drive to that university, I will no doubt, Katie knows this, I'm very annoyingly nostalgic. Uh, I hope to retell some, some stories and some memories. And like, you know, Mason, I remember the first day dropping you off at the Lutheran preschool in Tallahassee and what that was like. I remember, I remember working with you on science projects and on math homework. And, and then at some point, going through stories that no doubt he will tune out, and I'm sure, uh, a, little, a little bit. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge him. And we're going to get to that dorm room after packing or whatever, wherever he's staying. And I'm going to say, Mason, okay, study hard. You know, look your elders in the eye. Honor every girl you meet like you would honor your mom. Right? Find fellowship. And whenever you need to, reach out to God for help with our favorite prayer, help. So I'm going to charge him in that way. I'm going to, I'm going to weep, hug him. I'm probably going to cry. I'm definitely going to cry. And then um, I might share another story, and then we'll drive off. And That's how Paul says goodbye to these elders. He, he begins by recounting memories. He shared what, what they've experienced together. Do you remember this time? Do you remember what I did? And then he turns to them, and he has that moment where he looks them in the eye, and he charges them. Here's what he charges to them in, in just five verses. Pay careful attention. Stay alert, and I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. So each of your elders here at Sunrise have, have received these three charges also. So what I want to do this morning is talk about the kind of care you can expect to receive from your elders and then encourage you to welcome that kind of care in your own life. So let's talk first. Elders, pay careful attention. So we see here in verse 28, look at that with me again. Paul charges him, he looks him in the eye and he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, which is another word for elders, to oversee these people, to care, he says, for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So shepherds in God's church first care with their own lives. This word care, by the way, poimino, 
It's used, it's used for shepherds who tend closely, who pay careful attention to their flock. And the shepherds in the God's church do this first with their own lives. They tend to themselves, making sure they are well-fed, making sure they are healthy so they can in turn feed and care for others. It's like the passenger in a plane, right, who would first, in going down on that plane, grab the oxygen mask for themselves, right, and then give the oxygen mask to someone next to them. Right? Because first, you can't care for others unless you first care for yourself and then can help them. So elders in the same way are to first tend to their own lives, making sure they are fed, making sure they are close with God. So every Tuesday morning, the elders get together and they pray for the church. We work our way through the church roster, and we pray for you guys specifically and with care and with sensitivity to what the Spirit lays on our hearts. But we begin that morning by by first meditating on a scripture and then asking one another a couple accountability questions to hold each other accountable for, for our walks with God. Why? Because Paul says here, pay careful attention to yourselves. A wise pastor once shared that the greatest gift he can give to his church is his own personal holiness. That's the greatest gift he can give, is paying attention to his own walk with God. And having done so, then elders can then pay attention well to God's flock. So the ministry of an elder has been called, by by sort of ancient theologians, the cure of souls. The cure of souls. That means a good elder is like a physician. Which is an analogy that makes a lot of sense to me. Let me explain. Great doctors have what? If you've had a great doctor in your life, they, they pay attention well, right? They have a good bedside manner. They're warm. They're gracious. They're, they're, they're open so that the patient feels at ease. Also, a good doctor assesses you for, a, for a, an accurate diagnosis. He pays careful attention, not just for the initial complaint you come in with, but he asks you questions to figure out, is there, is there something behind this so we can get to the, to the root of the cause, to the disease that might be behind the symptoms such that he can help cure it to help make you healthy again. In the same way, a good elder pays attention, not to the first complaint someone gives necessarily, although he does, but he asks probing questions to get the root of, of the disease of sin in our lives so he can utilize prayer and God's word to help restore again, to help heal again, to effectively treat. So I'm reading a really good book right now called On Being Mortal, which is by a surgeon named Atul Gawande. I don't know if you've read that book before, Being Mortal. He describes in this book a moment where he spends a day with a geriatric doctor, uh, which is a physician who, who cares for people who are advanced in age. And so he spends a day with his doctor and the physician. He observes, asks the question, asks all these questions about his patient's life. And, and he listens to her routine every day. Listens to her routine. He listens to how she's taking care of herself. In great detail, he lets her go on and on and on about the sort of 24-hour cycle of her day. After checking some vitals, the physician then goes on to examine the patient's feet. And he spends much of the exam examining the patient's feet. And, and Gawande explains how he, he wonders, like, what can be accomplished by all this feet looking, right? Like, what, what's going on with this? And the geriatric doctor later explains that most people, when they get to a certain age, advanced age, they, they can no longer bend down to their feet, Right? They, they, they can't even get down there. And so they, they stop caring and they stop paying attention to their feet, which can cause calluses first and then sores, sometimes disease. 
and, and pain such that not only are they, they, they lose their balance because they can't pay attention to their feet because of the calluses and sores, but then they often fall. And then when someone's old, old, older falls, it, it causes hip surgery, it causes advanced decline. So he asks about their feet. When an elder meets you, he'll not only listen well, but, he, but he's going to ask you things that you might not expect to hear. He's going to ask you things that might even surprise you a little. I had a fellow elder just the other day care for me in this way. He, he knows of a, of a devastating situation that required pastoral care that, that's kind of emerged in, in life that I needed to help address. And we were talking about how that can make a person, uh, even a pastor, feel drained. And then he asked me this question. He said, you know what? He made this comment. He said, I bet you could feel drained on empathy as well. Like, like if, I mean, giving empathy, you feel drained in having empathy. And, and I hadn't thought about that. It caused me to look at my life and wonder, am I not only low on energy, but also low on empathy, low on care? And if so, I need to repent. I need to turn to Jesus for fresh hope, for fresh energy, for, for forgiveness in my life. That happened because an elder asked a question or he, or he made an observation that I wasn't really expecting. That's what a good elder does. Pays attention. Paul ends this particular verse by saying, Caring for God, care for God's church, which he obtained with his own blood. That's an interesting but important detail. Very important. This tells me two things. Number one, it's a warning not to tarnish what Jesus has done. Our chief shepherd, he, he laid down his very life for his sheep so they might come into eternal life forever. So he might forgive us our sin, come into eternal life forever. And so his blood-bought sacrifice is so precious. Ryan, don't do anything to screw it up. Right? Aim always not to hurt but to help the sheep. It also tells me, saying that God obtained the church with his own blood, that the goal of any elder care is always redemptive. So, so our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, cared for people in order to redeem them from slavery to sin and death and bring them into life forever, true life with Jesus Christ. When we meet with an elder, when you meet with an elder, his careful attention, his listening, his asking good questions, his dispensing God's word and praying with you is never meant to make you feel like you're on the hot seat, right? like you're being interrogated, like you're being investigated, it's not at all meant to condemn. It's meant to lead back, lead us all back into relationship with Jesus. That's the goal. That's the intent. So a question an elder asks, a, an observation he makes may sting, but it's a sting of a doctor's scalpel, right, which is ultimately designed to heal. He might say something he doesn't even mean to be, like kind of give a little sting to us. But, but know that that's often God's means, his way of, of saying, I want to heal you, I want to help you. It might sting at first. But that's how a good elder can care well. Remember, it's ultimately designed to be redemptive, just like Jesus' love for us. So an elder pays careful attention. Elders also stay alert, secondly. Elders stay alert. Look with me again, starting in verse 29. I know that after my departure, fears Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. That can be translated, stay alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. 
I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Gray, starring the incomparable Liam Neeson and a pack of wolves. Um, Liam Neeson, he tries to lead people who are in trouble, like he always does. Liam Neeson tries to lead people to safety in the Alaskan wilderness. And the entire movie, I mean the whole movie, is, is people being hunted by relentless wolves. Here's a fun fact for you. Wolves prefer big prey. They prefer big prey. And when they get a hold of one, they never eat in moderation. The movie then is realistic in this and not a little bleak to say one by one, each person is picked off. Here's a spoiler alert for you. Close your ears if you want to. Only no one's closing their ears. Okay. The movie ends with Liam Neeson and wolves. Liam Neeson's like on this rock and all these wolves are surrounding him and the point is crystal clear that even Liam Neeson cannot, cannot outfight a wolf on his own. And here's the other spoiler alert, friends. Neither can we. Neither can we. And yet if you stick with Jesus and his people, you will encounter at least a couple wolves along the way. Paul says to this elder group, fears wolves will come, will come among you. He says it with such certainty. Now, now, unlike other churches, like the churches at Corinth, Galatia, Colossae, if you've read your Bible, you know what I'm talking about. The church at of Ephesus was not a hotbed for dissension, immorality, or false teaching. Nevertheless, Paul expresses this certainty about wolves. They're going to come. And sure enough, when he writes his, his friend Timothy about a decade later, there they are. They come, and he writes about it. So you might feel like, I mean, I'm in a church that's, that's laid back, that's great, people are so warm. There's no wolves here. There's no wolves at Ephesus. There's no wolves at Sunrise. It can happen. And eventually it will happen. Our immediate thought then is, well, if it happens, I can handle that. I can handle wolves. After all, right, some of us handle attempts at hostile takeovers, both at work and in our families, right? Sometimes from our youngest child. We handle attempts, you know, at fraud, protection from fraud, protection from theft, protection from scams. We see it coming. Maybe you're even paid to do that. But when a kind, charismatic person tells you something in Jesus' name, it's so easy to be taken by it. They're warm, they're affectionate, they seem trustworthy, and they say it in Jesus' name. So it must be true. So they might do things like lead people away from church-centered fellowship. They'll say things like, hey, come over here to this thing that I'm doing. They may initiate supposedly caring friendships and relationships that turn suffocating and codependent. They might manipulate you through guilt or shame, often using tools, great tools, like the Word of God and worship. And this manipulation happens. What happens usually is, is a wolf begins with a truth that ends with a twist. Starts with a truth that ends with a twist. And that's what Paul says here, right? Twisting things, twisting truth. It sounds good, it sounds right, but there's this little twist. When you, when you open the curtain, you start to see it. So I'll give you a couple examples. One would be, maybe you, this is what I counter often and uh, trying to be a good elder, is when I meet with people person might be going through something hard, they're facing a decision, and some of the advice they've been given is, well, God just wants you to be happy, right? God just wants you to be happy, so, so do that. And a good elder says, let's unpack that for a moment. 
Let's just unpack that statement. If by happy, you mean independent, always feeling those feelings of happiness, or you're circumstantially favored by God, well, beware when people tell you that. If by happy, you mean what Paul talks about, about this contentment, that whether in plenty or in want or in any situation, he knows what it means to be content by knowing Jesus And that brings about a kind of something close to happiness called contentment. Well, then, of course. But a good elder helps you walk through statements that you receive, little truths that are twisted or half-truths. Another one is people might come to you and say, hey, don't you want to experience more of God? Well, try this. Come to this other fellowship. Practice this particular spiritual gift. Do this during worship, and that will change everything, all of which God may want to do. But a good elder warns you how this may be or may become another form of legalism. Not just trusting Jesus, but doing this, trying this, doing this. That will actually help you become a super-Christian. A good elder says, hey, I'm worried about that. I care about you. So a good elder may appear cautious. He may warn when you want to jump. And he doesn't mean to do it as to throw a wet blanket on your enthusiasm. Or, or to quench the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. It's because he has been set apart by the Holy Spirit to stay alert on your behalf. That's what the word says here. Stay alert. So Paul says, look out, warn, admonish. But notice how Paul warns and admonishes here in verse 31. He does so with tears. He does so with tears. He does so with, with care. It's truth mixed with tears, even Truth mixed with tears even towards those who are harming others, even towards the wolves. I try to keep this in mind that that a wolf almost never thinks himself a wolf. A wolf can only see himself in sheep's clothing. They're not always, you've heard that phrase, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing. They're not always intentionally putting on the sheep's clothing. They just see themselves in sheep's clothing and they they don't know they're being a wolf. I try to keep that in mind. Sometimes people who are twisting the truth and leading people astray that they're people loved by God. They're people created in God's image. They just got caught up in something that seemed of God, just twisted a little bit. So elders pay careful attention. They stay alert. Finally, elders commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Look with me there in verse 32. Let's look to God's word again here. Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul ends by commending. In other words, a good elder knows when to, when to shut up and leave you to God and his word. Let me unpack that statement a little bit. One of the accountability questions I ask these men in our church is whether they've committed scripture to memory. Not an easy question, but it's important because when you meet with an elder, you'll notice that his words, they're saturated with God's words. He's not preaching to you. He he may open up God's word and just share with you something that that he's learning, something that God has has taught him or, or has cared for him in a specific way, whether then or at some other season in his life. Or he may, while, while praying for you at the end of your meeting, uh, 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 something from God's word may come to mind that he prays over you and prays for you. So in the end, elders commend. They leave you to God and to his word because an elder knows that he's not God. 
He can't literally be there for you always. He can't make everything better. He can't compel you to trust and submit to God and his word in the end. He can only commend you. And that's what he does. Hopefully he does well. So many of you know that like after meeting with me, you'll get a text, a WhatsApp, or an email where I just send along a, like a key scripture from the meeting we had. It's not a scripture with a sermon attached, right? I'm not going over all the key points of our meeting. I'm not sending you a, a sermon from last year, but just a scripture because that's what we need. That's ultimately how God will shape, shape us and restore us. So up to this point, it may seem like I've, I've preached to basically six particular people in our church, our six elders, <laughs> all right? I've, I've shared about that. I've shared how, how, you, how you can re- receive care from these men right? by, by being paid attention to, by knowing someone's staying alert for you, but it's people who, who are going to commend you to God and to the word of his grace. But I want to share with you, sort of in closing, a new strategy that the elders are implementing, the elders of Sunrise are implementing, to help ensure that every member here receives intentional care, the kind of care described by Paul. So two or three years ago, God began through his word and through some reading to place in my heart the need for us as elders to spend the bulk of our energy and our time caring for God's people, all of God's people, more intentionally. The problem with this was that we didn't seem to have enough elders to do that. But God has been so faithful, guys, so faithful to raise up men, to direct me to train them. And let me tell you before I go any further about these men, because you might not know who our elders are. So you know about, there's a screenshot's going to come up here. You know about myself and Pastor Brett, most likely. But I want to tell you about our other elders, because these are wonderful men. Gordon McRae is a brother who exercises patience, care. He's he's full of wisdom. He's going to hate me talking about this. That's, you know, I don't care. Love you, Gordon. But he's also not afraid to speak his mind and be honest and practical about what he sees. Erwin Dickow is incredibly hospitable. Makes you feel the warmth when you're around him. He asks really good questions. He, he demonstrates discipline in his walk with God. And you can see it in his life. My friend Bailey Weathers is, a, is our practical thinker. He's always thinking about how, 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 how. How can we better implement care for people? in addition to be just a really easy guy to talk to. Tim Koch, Tim's our prophet. Tim, Tim, a loving prophet, a prophet nonetheless. He asks questions like, how does, this, how does what we do line up with truth? How can we love people by, by challenging them a little bit with truth? I love that. And every time I, I get together with them, it's a, it's a good challenge. I always know I want to be edified by the word of God. These are your elders. All have children. They all have supporting Supportive spouses, for whom I'm so thankful. Behind the scenes, over this past, I don't know, a few months, more than that, in some ways a, a year, each member of the church has been chosen by one of these six elders. Has been chosen by one of the six elders. All right? And our elder care strategy is simple. Over the course of each year, your elder, the elder who has chosen you, doesn't that make you feel so honored? The elder who has chosen you is going to say hello to you. Uh, over an email or in person, just a brief hello, introducing himself. Then he's going to check in with you at some point over the course to get to know you better. Then he's going to check in again just to encourage you in your walk with God. All the while reminding you that he's available anytime whenever you encounter extraordinary temptations and trials. Always available to you. But at least a couple times a year, 
You're going to hear from your elder. They're going to want to talk with you a little bit. And we hope and pray that this careful strategy is going to strengthen you personally. It's going to build the church. It's also going to help us live out the responsibility to which God calls us to pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Our intention is to care. Our intention is redemptive. It's not to pry into your life. It's not to be a busybody and get all up in your business for no reason. But, so please, but please let us know if, if you'd prefer not to participate, and we will happily and immediately oblige. But I do want to challenge you a little bit. Here's where the challenge comes in. I want to do want to challenge you to consider welcoming the careful attention of your elder. We're going to all acknowledge, at first, an elder calls you up on the phone, an elder sits down to meet with you, you're going to be like, okay, here comes the meeting. And let's all acknowledge it's going to feel a little forced at first. It might feel a little awkward. When you get that call from the elder, we let's go ahead and name that, okay? It's going to feel awkward. All right, who here, raise your hand if you know that call is going to feel awkward, a little bit at first, okay? Raise your hand, it's okay. Feel free. Only six of you. This is fantastic. Seven, eight. Okay, all right, maybe this will make you feel better. Elders, raise your hand if it's going to be initially awkward for you. Yeah, Gordon immediately raises his hand. It's good to just name that. So, so please allow some margin. All of us allow some margin for initial awkwardness. That's what it's going to take. Sometimes that's what it takes, right, to do what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible says to us in Hebrews 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So please help us. Now, you probably, when you hear that, you hear obey and submit. I hear, and the other elders hear, keep watch over their souls as those who will have to give an account. Even as I read that, I could feel a little beats of sweat coming, coming to the top of my head. Like, that's a big deal. As those who will have to keep an account. Please, just, I want to encourage you to be open to it. Encourage you to help us help you. Be there for you. So between now and the end of January, your elder will introduce himself in person, but probably over email. He'll communicate with you. He's going to try to touch base with you a couple times a year. At first, just to get to know your story a little bit, who you are. Secondly, to encourage you spiritually. He'll share that he's available to you anytime as you encounter extraordinary trials and temptations. He'll share with you that the elders are praying for you regularly and consistently. Another detail that's important to know, we are starting with all regular members and, and attenders through about mid-November of this year. And then we're going to modify and try to update once a quarter. So if this is your first week with us or your, your first few weeks with us, or you're pretty new to the church, I encourage you to take time to get acclimated, get to know others, involve yourself. And in a few months, we're going to touch base with you. And if you haven't ever done so, please, please, please fill out a contact card. We had such a hard time. Even We would constantly be missing people because maybe you've been part of the church for a while, but you never filled out a contact card. So please do that. And if you've attended for a while and you don't hear from us, please do let us know. Please let us know. Please let me know. We've tried to to contact everyone about whom we were unsure if they were a part of Sunrise anymore, but we got some disconnected phones and some sent back emails. All right, so that may have been you. I don't know, or maybe we had the wrong email or something like that. So please just let us know. Be patient with us as we implement this. Because our God-given responsibility, guys, is to pay careful attention to the flock, 
yours that we hope you embrace is to welcome this careful attention to your life as an extension of the chief shepherd's care for you. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to acknowledge and praise you as our chief shepherd, as the one who keeps such good watch over our blood-bought souls. So we thank you. Thank you for the great sacrifice you made for us. Thank you for the, for the elders in this church, God, who you've called to imitate just a little of that. God, please help us pay attention well to the flock. Help us extend care. Help us stay alert when wolves rise up. Help us be people saturated with your word that we can commend others to, to you, to the word of your grace. And Father, I pray for the rest of us here that we would be open, be open to welcoming this kind of a little bit more intentional attention to our lives. Um, we thank you, though, for being our chief shepherd, knowing that you're taking care of us more than anyone else. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.